What's going on, everybody? This is Britt Jones, and you are listening to the Books of Pro Wrestling Podcast. Today, it's all about the Rockers from the WWE, Shawn Michaels and Marty Jannetty. We are in the book Heartbreak and Triumph, the Shawn Michaels story, and Shawn goes into detail, great detail, about the friendship he had with Marty, the arguments they had, and then the eventual uh, breakup that so many of us remember on the barbershop with Brutus Beefcake. But first of all, do me a huge favor. Please hit that subscribe button. You know, if you're listening on Apple Podcasts right now, there should be a little subscribe button right where you are. Just press that for me. It takes one second. And that grows this book club. It grows the podcast. And the more people we get on here, the more debates we can have, the more uh, interaction we can have. Now, please do that for me. Give me a five-star rating. Go a little further and write a quick review of how incredible this podcast is. That would be a beautiful thing for me. Thank you so much for taking time to do that. The Book Club for Wrestling Fans, created by a wrestling fan. Guys, I just want to have fun with you. I'm not here saying that I know everything because I don't. I love wrestling. I've been a wrestling fan all my life. And then I got into reading these books, these books that these stars and legends have written. And the books that they have written have been in great detail about the lives of these stars beyond the ring, behind the curtains. And for a wrestling fan like myself, and hopefully like you, you're interested in that kind of stuff. Am I right? Well, as we dive into the middle of the book, we see that the Rockers, of course, was Sean and Marty. They were in the AWA as the Midnight Rockers. Fast forward, they get an opportunity to go to the World Wrestling Federation at the time. Now, they didn't get to stay long the first time they went to WWF. Check this out. They made their first appearance with the World Wrestling Federation in 1987, only five days after leaving the AWA. Now, four days later, the Midnight Rockers wrestled at their first TV taping for the show WWF Wrestling Challenge. How many of you remember that? And they defeated the team of Jose Estrada Sr. and Jimmy Jack Funk. This match was their one and only taped appearance for the WWF because they were fired only a few short weeks after that. Now, they were fired, and it, it goes, he goes into detail of why they were fired, and it had something to do with Jimmy Jack Funk. Jimmy Jack Funk came up to a bar one night after their match and basically was acting big and bad Mr. Tough Guy, he had heard that Marty and Sean were big partiers. They knew how to throw down. Jimmy Jack Funk started intimidating them, trying to get them to, uh, to, to fight, to show them how much they partied. He kept on and kept on and kept on. Sean kept saying, no, we're just here to hang out. We're not wanting to start any trouble. Sean got so frustrated, he took a glass, busted it over his head, and left the bar. That was it. Well, the story grew and grew and grew. The boys, for the most part, at that bar and in the locker room, weren't fans of these two new young kids, Sean and Marty. 
Sean and Marty had this reputation coming before them from the AWA about them being cocky, arrogant, young, partiers. And they didn't last. They didn't last long at all. Jimmy Jack Funk said a few things about them. Uh, the story grew and grew and grew. And they were released from Vince McMahon himself. Vince told them that we're a family here and those boys don't want you here. But maybe down the road we can bring you back. Basically, I think Vince was saying you need to go away, get your head on straight, and grow up. Well, it didn't take long for them to grow up. They did a few gigs here and there, but it was nothing like what the WWF was going to do with them. So, they went to a few places, did this and that, and they never... They, they were miserable. Sean went through a deep depression. Well, check this out right here. Let me see. I just lost my place. <laughs> All right. They get to go back to the WWF. Vince brings them back in. And this time they decide we are going to be on our best behavior. Everything's going to be good. Uh, we're not going to cause any trouble. And all that good stuff. Well, Vince called them and said that he was willing to bring them back if they were able to be more professional this time around. This time, the team was working for the WWF as the Rockers. They made their television debut, like I said earlier, but this time their actual television debut was on Superstars of Wrestling. How many of you remember that show? They made their first pay-per-view appearance at the Survivor Series of 1988. They ended up getting to go on to WrestleMania as well. Saturday night's main event. They were facing tag team after tag team after tag team from the Rougeau brothers, the fabulous Rougeau brothers. They were also uh, working with the Bolsheviks, the Brain Busters, Arn Anderson and Tully Blanchard. Now Arn and Tully... Not only did they face them at Saturday night's main event, which was a big deal back in the day, but Arnim Tully really influenced these two young guys. They helped them with the psychology, the ins and outs of the business. Very influential in a great way for the Rockers. Sean goes into detail about that influence from those two legends. Now, like I said, they went on to WrestleMania. Their first WrestleMania was at WrestleMania 5 against Akeem and the Big Boss Man. They also started a storyline uh, with the Fabulous Rougeau Brothers that I said earlier. And uh, that ended up going really well. It put uh, th That storyline put the Rockers' issues with the Brain Busters on the back burners while... Uh, the Rouge, while well, the uh, Rougeos and the Rockers fought. Also, the Rockers and Rougeos was the storyline reason for introducing what we call the Iron Man match to the WWF. Despite wrestling five Iron Man, Iron Man matches against each other, none of the matches were ever televised or released. On August 28, 1989, the Rockers and Rougeos feud made it to a pay per view where the Rougeos teamed with Rick Martel, the model, to defeat 
the Rockers and Tito Santana. Because Tito and Rick, Rick Martell were having a little feud as well. Because Tito and Rick were also um, a tag team at one point. Actually winning the tag team titles. The Can-Am Connection. I was a big Rick the Model Martell fan because, for me, I always loved heels. But I also liked Tito Santana. He was like the ultimate good guy. Let's keep going. <clears throat> they ended up feuding with a group called the Powers of Pain, the Warlord and the Barbarian, two powerhouses. When I was a young kid, probably about nine years old, I went to a venue called the Omni in Atlanta, Georgia. It was a house show the night before a Royal Rumble. And that Royal Rumble was in Florida. But I remember it vividly, very well, because the Rockers were against the Powers of Pain, Warlord and Barbarian. And I just remember being in awe, because I, like I said earlier, uh, last week, I was a huge Rockers fan. So it was really cool to watch those two powerhouses against the two young guys, Marty and Sean. Keep it on going. They ended up facing the Orient Express. The Orient Express was managed by Mr. Fuji. And the Orient Express got to face each other, uh, face the Rockers at the rest, WrestleMania 6, and then at the Royal Rumble the following year. Now we fast forward on into the book, and, and Sean starts talking about the Hart Foundation. The Hart Foundation and the Rockers started feuding. The Rockers never actually officially held the WWF Tag Team Championships. And Sean goes on to say, even though they defeated them at a televised taping and won the titles, the title, it, it never aired on television. So it was void. It was, it was as if it never happened. Why? Well, Sean tells us a story. In the first part of the match, the top rope broke. And he said the match was awful. They could really never gain momentum after that incident. And so WWF decided not to air it. Even though they held the titles in their hands, they didn't air it. So the people in the arena thought they actually won it. But in history books, you won't find it. Crazy, huh? Well... We see that the Rockers, they did a lot of great things, a lot of great moves. They were innovators in of, of their own right. High, flyer, high flyer, flyers, can't talk today. And Sean and Marty start getting a little, some, some arguments. A few fights here and there, not getting along, etc., etc. After teaming together since 1985, the Rockers split up in December of 91 after backstage disputes. According to Michael's book that we're in, Gennady had claimed that WCW were willing to give them a very high guaranteed contract. But when Sean inquired about it, it turned out to be an exaggeration. Marty Gennady disputes. All of that saying that Michaels was the driving force suggesting to quit the WWF, but had Gennetti, but had Marty Gennetti do the actual phone call to ask for a release from their contract. When Vince McMahon actually agreed to let them go, Michaels appeared shocked, according to him, talking about Marty, and later went to Vince McMahon, explaining that was Gennetti's idea 
and he did not want to leave the WWE, uh, WWF at the time himself. Long story short, Vince and Sean, Vince encouraged Sean that he would be an incredible single star. He'd be a great heel. And they worked it to where the Rockers would split. Mar Marty uh, told Janetti about it. Janetti wasn't real happy about it. But Michaels was ready for the next step in his career. Sean was made to look like the bad guy in front of a lot of the boys. Sean didn't take that too well. Because Sean knew the truth. Marty had contacted Magnum TA down in WCW asking them, supposedly, uh, Magnum TA said uh, that you get, I believe it was 150000 maybe 200000 with incentives. After Sean contacted Magnum TA, Magnum told him it would be about $70,000 a piece. And that Marty never once talked to him. And that really bothered Sean. Sean says he never could get under the surface of their friendship to a deeper level. After all those years, they were still just on the surface kind of friends. Well, Sean split up with Marty, and it's a segment on TV that I still remember to this day. And it was with Brutus the Barber Beefcake on the Barbershop. How many of you remember the segment on WWF television called The Barbershop, where Brutus Bar the Barber Beefcake would bring out different stars each week and interview them? A lot of great uh, feuds were developed using the barbershop. Crazy, huh? Well, check this out. This is a really cool story that uh, Sean goes into detail about Rowdy Roddy Piper. The boys were intoxicated, including Piper. They started. Uh, Piper started talking about how Michaels would be a great competitor, a great singles wrestler. He had a future in the business. Janetti is in the same room as Piper saying all this. Janetti didn't like it at all. Started wanting, he started wanting to fight Sean and actually punched him. The cops were called. When the cops got there, Randy Savage, the macho man, stepped in prevented Marty from going to jail, saying this was just a storyline, even though it wasn't. Michaels almost quit the WWF over this. And Gennady believes that this incident that happened in that hotel room was one of the reasons WWF decided to break up the Rockers. So you got two sides of the stories, Michaels and Gennady's. Which do you believe? Well, on Brutus Bar the Barber Beefcake's Barbershop in 1992 is when it aired. He interviewed the Rockers about their recent problems because the storyline went, they had a, a couple of weeks of a storyline where it seemed like they were having tension in the ring. So you could kind of figure, if you were a smart fan back then, that they were getting ready to split up. But if you remember correctly, like I do, Michaels suddenly super kicked Marty Jannetty and then sent him through the glass window of the barbershop set. Unreal, right? Man, as a fan of the Rockers, not knowing the real-life story, I was devastated as a kid. I couldn't believe what I had just saw. My heroes were splitting up. Shawn Michaels, the ultimate good guy, was now a bad guy. He, 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 he became cocky and arrogant. And an incredible heel. 
Unreal. <laughs> well, they were supposed to feud following that breakup, but Marty got suspended from the WWF. Marty had some troubles in and out. Came back to WWF, got fired. Came back, got fired. You know, just all kinds of troubles, personal troubles. Well, even though all that happened, Michaels had to keep going. Had to keep going as the single superstar that he became. He kept, started developing this heartbreak kid image. Heartbreak kid came from Mr. Perfect, Kurt Henning, who was an announcer at the time. He got Sherry Martell as his manager, which was one of the best things he could have ever done. He won the Intercontinental Championship from the British Bulldog. I remember when that happened. Well, in 1992, Janetti attacked Michaels. Janetti comes back. They're starting a storyline again. He grabbed the mirror that Michaels used, tried to hit Michaels with it, but Michaels pulled Sherry in front of himself that she, so that she got hit instead. Of course, this led to the storyline of Sherry being hospitalized from the glass. When she came uh, back from her recovery, she turned on Michaels and actually backed Janetti up in an attempt to take away that title from Michaels at the Royal Rumble of 1993. Of course, Janetti lost that match. I remember it very well. You know, Janetti, throughout the years, came in and out, had different gimmicks, even had a new rocker tag team partner. And that was Al Snow. You remember that? When they were uh, the new rockers back in 1996? Nothing ever really worked out, though, for him. Nothing ever really worked out. Let's fast forward a little bit in the book just so you can get a, a grasp of what's going on. And for those of you that are reading it with me or have read the book, you understand what I'm saying. Michaels, of course, became a born-again Christian in real life. And, the, and that really helped Marty and Sean patch up their differences later on in life. And uh, Michaels goes into detail about that goes into detail about how they were able to uh, let the past be the past. Sean even helped uh, Marty get a job with the WWE at one time being a trainer. So in other words, in summary of the Rockers, never had an official tag team title in the WWF, but were considered by many two of the greats. High Flyers, innovators and legends in their own right as the rockers i believe one day the rockers will be inducted into the hall of fame and that would be awesome that would be great to see marty go into the hall of fame of course sean's already been in there twice but i think that would be awesome i want to share a story from the book it talks about sean and marty and andre the giant <laughs> You're going to like this if you don't know anything about it. You're really going to like this. Well, Dynamite Kid, when the Rockers came in for the second time, he came over there in his thick English accent, gave them some advice. You guys got a bunch of heat, he told us. 
You've got to go, you've got to go in. I don't give a damn what you've done or who you are. But the boys, they don't like you. And you have a ton of heat because you don't talk to anybody. You don't, you've got to come in here. You've got to shake hands with people. Say hello to everyone. Sean says, we don't want to cause any problems. Dynamite keeps saying, that's just the way it is. They think you're cocky. They think you're prima donnas. They are not going to let you in unless you at least show the initiative and come up and shake their hands. You have to do that. You do that and you don't owe them a thing after that. But you can't just come in and not talk to people. Sean said, sorry, we didn't know. We shook everyone's hand that night. Some of the guys still didn't like us, but we had done what we should have done a year ago in Buffalo. <coughs> Excuse me. We paid the guys the proper respect. A couple of days later, we had our first television taping, and there was a whole new slew of guys, including most of the top guys, that we had to introduce ourselves to. One of them was Andre the Giant. Andre was always playing cribbage with Arnold Scalin, a founding father of the World Wrestling Federation who now worked for Vince in an administrative capacity. Andre would sit and play all day until his match. While he played, everyone would come to him and shake his hand. Even the big stars like Hogan, Macho Man Randy Savage, Jake the Snake Roberts, and the Million Dollar Man Ted DiBiase. They would all pay their respects to Andre. Hogan may have been the main event guy on TV, but Andre was the main event in the locker room. Everyone would come by saying, How you doing, boss? and extend their hand. He'd look up and shake their hands. It was almost like a mafia greeting line. I thought it was very cool. After what Dynamite Kid told us, we figured we'd better go pay our respects to Andre. We were nervous, though. Were we allowed to call him boss? We didn't want to mess this up. So we went to him, stuck our hands out, and said, How are you doing, boss? He wouldn't even look up. We just shuffled off with our heads down like sad puppies. For almost two years, I came up to him at every show. We worked together, stuck my hand out and said, How are you doing, boss? Not once did he acknowledge my existence. Well, Marty gave up after a while. It was driving him nuts. He told me, Everyone else has accepted us. I'll just eat the heat with him. It's never going to happen with him. But I still wanted him to accept me, so I kept trying. We were on a European tour, and Marty and I were teaming with Andre in a six-man tag match against the Orient Express and Mr. Fuji. This was the first time we were in the ring with Andre. He was old school. He didn't talk over matches beforehand, so we didn't speak to him before the match. After the match, everyone was shaking hands, as is the custom. Those guys said, thank you, boss, and he shook their hands. Now it was our turn. Andre stuck his hand out. What a relief that was, Sean said. Later that night, I saw him at the hotel bar. He waved me over. Have a beer, he said. Yes, sir. Then I sort of whispered, I know you don't like us. Andre said, when you first came in, I didn't like you. But after that, you're okay. Sean said, but you never shook our hands. Andre said, well, after that, I was just ribbing you then. Just being a joke. Joking with him. 
Sean goes, for a year? Andre just laughed and went back to his beer. I love that story, you know, just, it just, any time a, in, in these books that we're reading and going over, when these wrestlers let us into a backstage story like that, it's awesome. It's awesome. That first year that Sean worked with the WWF, he made $118,000. More money than he'd ever made in his life or career at that point. He was still a young guy, very young. And $118,000 made him a very happy man. Very happy. I guess it would me too, right? But $118,000 back then, that was a lot. That was a whole lot. Sean goes on to talk later, you know, that they got to do a Wheaties commercial where they're getting paid 2500 bucks a piece. And uh, the Road Warriors were getting paid 5000 a piece. That caused a little divisiveness. And that really was one of, and that, that right there was one of the, uh, the turning points. One of the things that caused the rift between them, more so Marty and Vince McMahon, and like I said earlier, Vince told him that he was going to be a great heel. And you're going to be great at it. You're going to be awesome. Long story short, that's what happened, as I said earlier. And it was the best thing that could have happened. Without Sean going to Vince, telling him he wanted to be a single star, didn't want to leave the WWF, we wouldn't have the heartbreak kid that we know today. The showstopper, Mr. WrestleMania. The one and only, Shawn Michaels. The boy toy. We wouldn't have that entrance music. Sexy boy. We wouldn't have had many great matches that we got to witness over the years with The Undertaker. And Bret Hart. The Hitman. Stone Cold Steve Austin. Chris Jericho. One of Sean's greatest WrestleMania moments was with Chris Jericho when he had first come back to the company. If you've not seen that match, it's my favorite on that actual card. So just throw that into Google and uh, watch it because it is worth your time. Trust me. And if you are a wrestler working on the indie scene or if you're an aspiring wrestler wanting to be a wrestler, that's definitely a match you should watch. Because you're learning from two of the greats in all of professional wrestling. Two of the greats in all of the history of pro wrestling, in my opinion. And that's Chris Jericho, the Lionheart, and Mr. WrestleMania, Shawn Michaels. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. We were able to dive into a little bit of the rocker's life. Past... The past uh, feuds, the tag teams they got to wrestle, and the incident with the Hart Foundation where they won the titles but it was never recognized. They have a really cool history. Friends on the surface, never really deep friends. And then they made up later on in life when Sean became a born-again Christian, which is awesome. Every story needs to have a happy ending, right? And we weren't sure that that was ever going to be a happy ending. But I'm glad it became one. 
I hope you're liking this book as much as I am. I'm reading it for a second time, and I'm finding that I've missed things the first time I read it. You know, reading it a second time, I, I see that there's things I'm reading that I don't remember, or that I just skimmed over when I first got this book. But um, it's so awesome, y'all. It's so awesome. Next week, we're going to dive into more of Sean's story, more of his singles matches, the storylines he took part in, him retiring in 1998 and coming back. We're going to look at the, 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 the very well-documented, famous Montreal screw job. And if you've never heard Sean's side of the story, you're in for a real treat. Sean goes into great detail in this book of what took place behind closed doors when Brett the Hitman Hart refused to drop the title to Sean in Montreal. What did Vince say to Sean? What did Sean say to Vince? Who else knew about that crazy thing that happened when the referee was involved, when Sean put Brett in the sharpshooter, Brett never gave up, but the bell was rung, and Sean walked out that night the world champion. Brett didn't know what was coming. And guys, that's a true story. That's real life. That actually took place. And it's one of the most famous things that, have, that ever happened in wrestling history. And it happened in 1997. We're going to cover that next week. For those of you that are... A part of this book club on Facebook, thank you. Be sure you go to facebook.com forward slash the books of pro wrestling podcast. It's updated daily with pictures, stories. This past week, I uploaded a status on what your favorite WrestleMania moments were. And I told you on Facebook that I was going to read a few of those moments. And Y'all listed some really good ones, I must, I must say. Some I, I, I forgot about, or that I wouldn't have even thought about listing. And so, I'm going to go ahead and read a few of those comments, because I told you I would. <laughs> and here they are, as I pull it up. Zack Ryder winning the Intercontinental Championship. That is definitely... A WrestleMania moment. Do you remember watching that live? No one saw Zack Ryder climbing to the top of that ladder and grabbing that title. But he did. Yes, he lost it the very next night on the biggest Raw of the year. But Zack had his WrestleMania moment that evening. I loved it. I'm a Zack Ryder fan. I want to see him succeed. And right now he is succeeding as one half of the World Tag Team Champions. Also, commenting on the status, I see Hogan versus Vince McMahon in the street fight. Joel, you said it was probably the best story told on a, in a WrestleMania match. Brad, you chimed in and said, Ricky Steamboat winning the Intercontinental Championship at WrestleMania 3. That was a big one. Owen Hart beating his brother Brett at WrestleMania 10. The latter match with Sean and Razor Ramon at WrestleMania 10. Here's a big one that a lot of people agree upon. That's Steve Austin 
Stone Cold, and Bret Hart at WrestleMania 13. The Rock versus Hollywood Hogan at WrestleMania 18. That stands out to me. I remember watching that live. I remember Hogan coming down to the ring to an enormous, massive cheering set. I mean, the, the, the Toronto Sky Dome, they were so loud when Hogan came out. He was the bad guy. And Rock was getting booed. It was phenomenal. Incredible. If you've never seen that match, watch it tonight. And you will see two legends in the ring and, and these two legends knew exactly what they were doing. They knew how to work that crowd. I'm telling you, I loved it. One of the best matches I have ever seen. Shawn Michaels versus The Undertaker at WrestleMania 25. That was one of the greatest matches of all time. Many people consider that a match of perfection and the greatest match of all time. Of course, that's up for debate. No doubt about it. Daniel Bryan winning at uh, WrestleMania 30. That was a WrestleMania moment. And to close it off, Macho Man Randy Savage and the Ultimate Warrior at WrestleMania 7 when Miss Elizabeth made her return. If you haven't seen that, that's another WrestleMania moment you need to look up. What a moment that was. That, that moment when Liz came down to the ring. She'd been away for a very long time. When she came down to the ring and got in the ring, it gives you all the good feels. You'll, get, you'll feel that emotion running through your veins. You'll feel the cold chills come up on your arms. And you'll experience what the crowd was experiencing that evening at that WrestleMania. Wow, it's beautiful. Beautiful thing. I love it when they can tell a story like that. That's what it's all about, telling good stories. Like I said, be sure to go to facebook.com forward slash the books of pro wrestling podcasts and hit the like button and you'll be a member of this podcast. Hit that subscribe button on the podcast app that you're on right now, whether it's Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, or Apple Podcasts. Hit subscribe. And if go a step further, please, and hit the, that fifth star. I would love it if you did. Write a quick review. How much you love the show, whether you do or not. <laughs> but in all honesty, I'm just a guy who loves to have fun. And I'm loving having fun with y'all. I'm loving having fun on Facebook, reading your comments, reading your messages. They're great. We have a website. It's thebooksofprowrestlingpodcast.com. You can send me a message on there as well if you have questions, comments. And it's all about growing this book club for wrestling fans. And it's, it's really a cool idea, right? And I'm so glad that you're part of it. Until next week, when we talk about the Montreal Screwjob, I hope you have a great, great week and a great weekend. Have fun. Live life to the fullest. Stay out of trouble. And continue pressing on. You have purpose. And that's what I tell everyone. See you then. Out. <laughs>